Well, good morning. I'm always honored when I'm asked to speak here at TBA. And anytime the sermon's going to be a little weak, I add props. And so today it must really be weak because I've added this crew over here, but you're just going to have to wait just a little bit for them. Um, we, uh, I, the re- one of the reasons I said that uh, I love speaking here, I'm honored to be able to speak at several different congregations, but TBA is home. And uh, thank you to the pastors for entrusting me with this. We love TBA so much, and that's one of the reasons why we are getting ready to hopefully move to Lakeland. Our house in Lake Wales is going to go up for sale this week. If, if you want to buy a beautiful, beautiful home that the kitchen was just redecorated, come see me. Um, Lake Wales is not the cultural center of the universe, but it is a nice house, okay? Okay. Um, <clears throat> The other thing I want to say today is 20 years ago when I came here to be the pastor, my first Sunday I asked a question or asked people, when you see me, you already know my name. Don't assume that I remember yours. And uh, so just for a month or so or several times, tell me your name. And only one person took me up on it, and it was Richard Dreyer. And now for 20 years, every time he greets me, he says, hi, I'm Richard Dreyer. Well... You could help me out, not by saying, hi, I'm Richard Dreyer, okay, but um, introduce yourself to me multiple times because I'm old and I'm forgetful. Uh, Like me on Facebook, I'm trying to get to know the fine people here. Stand with me and let's read the scripture for today. This is our primary scripture. We're talking about how God's Spirit and God's Word can change our lives. So if you don't mind, let's read it aloud. For those, Amen. You may be seated. How many of you like living in the country? You like being out in the country? Well, today I want to start with a story about not the middle of nowhere Florida, but the middle of nowhere Alabama. Anybody here from Alabama? Okay, I'll talk real slow for you today. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, yeah. Um, This story that I'm about to tell you is true. It's unlike most of the stories that I tell you because... This one's actually true. It did happen to me. I was in Standing Rock, Alabama. The reason it was called Standing Rock is it, liter- it had two roads. One quote-unquote main road that was uh, two-lane and it was paved. And then there was a dirt road. And at the corner of the dirt road and the main road, there was a big rock. So guess what they named it? Standing Rock. The reason I was there was Narita's brother lived there, and we went to see them. And across the street from where they lived was a general store. And that's where these guys come in. I, went, I did something stupid. I wanted sweet tea, and I went by myself. Now, in just a moment, you're going to understand why that was a little uh, unwise of me. So I walk in, and there were... Two old boys sitting there playing checkers. They were off on the side, and 
They had probably been there since the war between the states. And uh, I asked these guys to wear bib overalls. Well, let's just say those bib overalls, they had been wearing them a while. I don't think they had been washed in a long time. There was a sign up that said Auburn stinks, okay, because this was in Alabama. And the only other person besides the, the good old boys that were playing checkers that was in there was Mrs. Ike Godsey is what I called her. You've got to be older like me to understand that joke. But Mrs. Ike Godsey was running the store. So there's just the four of us. There's nobody else around. And I come walking in. And it's important. Why? Because there's a sweet tea on the line. And Mrs. Ike Godsey greets me, but she doesn't say, Hi. She doesn't say, May I help you? She doesn't comment on the pleasant weather. But the first words that I heard when I walked in were, You aren't from around here, are you, boy? Is what she said. Now, I got a problem. Because I want a sweet tea. Okay? And I got to think quickly. And I know if I tell her I'm from Florida, she's going to hate me. I, I wouldn't have worn this pink shirt that day either in that part of Alabama. That would have been kind of scary. But, so I had to convince Mrs. Ike Godsey. So I just quickly think, what can I say? And I said, oh, I'm Brent's brother-in-law. And immediately, things changed. She started talking. She said, oh, you're the one with the twins. You didn't even know you were going to have twins, did you? You, you had that cute little blonde-haired boy. Your wife got real sick. She almost died. How's she doing? She knew more about me than I knew about me. And the old boys playing checkers, they had been just glaring at me. When I said I'm Brent's brother-in-law, this is what they did. Look back down. In other words, I was okay. Now... Let's give him a hand, and I'll tell you why I'm telling that story. I asked Tim to line up the two people that could play the part, and you did great, Tim. Thanks. Okay, why do I tell you that story today? And how does it tie in to the teaching that we've been having for the last five or six, six weeks? I raise that story to ask you a question. In the grand scheme of eternity, are we really from around here? Think about that for a moment. In the grand scheme of all eternity, where's our home? There was a theologian by the name of Francis Schaeffer, and he asked that question. And then he followed it up with another question, and he said... Knowing that, knowing that we're not from around here, he didn't use those terms, but knowing that this is not our home, how then shall we live? Have you given that any thought lately? That this life is just a breath, it passes quickly. But eternity, we can't comprehend because it goes on and on, and our, our finite minds can't fathom it. But honestly, we're not from around here, and the Bible reminds us of that. Paul says these words, our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. In other words, 
we're, we're just passing by. We're just, we're just here for a very, very short time. And this is not the only Bible verse that mentions that, but it's mentioned also in 1 Peter. Think about these words. It says, but you are a chosen people. Look at the person there seated beside and say, you're chosen. You're chosen by God. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare His praises. Okay, think about this. Why are we a royal priesthood, a chosen nation? We're here to declare God's praises and who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I looked at that verse in several different translations. And in verse 11, it says these words in the NIV, that we're just aliens and strangers. That sounds a little bit like, you ain't from around here, are you boy, doesn't it? If we're just aliens and strangers, the message paraphrases that, that verse and it says, this world is not our home. And I like what the NLT says, that we're temporary residents. Temporary. At times we get so caught up in all the things that we have to do here, we forget that our citizenship is where? Tell me. Where's our citizenship? It's in heaven. It's in heaven. So the question that I want to ask you today is one that I raised earlier. If we know that we're not from around here, how should we live? And how does the Bible that we've been talking about for the last five or six weeks tie into our journey here? And how does God's Spirit Help me. Over the last five weeks, our pastors have taught us in the, that, that the Scriptures are our steak. Stivey talked about milk and steak. Brian Leg then reminded us that the Word of God is light. You remember he had the flashlight and he, and he showed it around? That the Word of God is light to our path. On Mother's Day, Dave challenged us that the Word of God is fire and how is it changing you and challenging you. And, and then Stivey said that the Word of God is a weapon. Now, I wasn't able to be here all of those Sundays because of speaking responsibilities or, or um, uh, baby dedications. But I have listened to all of them on the podcast and I would suggest that you, you do the same. Because it, it helps you understand how all of this together. Well, today I want, I've been charged with <coughs> the theme of how does God's Spirit and God's Word work together to change our lives? And since we're just temporary uh, residents, since we're just aliens, since we're just passing through this world, how you living? How you living? Today I want to give you four aids that will help you as you remember that we're not from around here. And I've taken the word Abba, A-B-B-A, and we're going to look at each of those. No, it's not the singing group from the, from the 70s, okay? But we're going to do an acrostic of this, and I hope you'll understand why <coughs> soon. Excuse me.
I really thought about using the word superfragicasalistic expialidocious, but that's too many points for one teaching, so today we just have four. And the first thing that I want you to know is we're adopted. And you know the good thing about that? The person doing the adopting chose us. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, right? It's true that we're just strangers passing through, but we don't have to worry that we don't have to travel alone. So look back at the text that I had you um, read earlier. What's it say? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. I remember when I was a kid singing a song, I am a child, a child of God. It was two ninety nine in the red hymnal for you old church of Godders. I remember that. The, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. In, in the chapter before, in chapter 7, Paul's talking about being a slave to sin or slave to righteousness. So this spirit doesn't make us a slave so that you have to live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your what? What's the word? Your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, what? Abba. That's where I came up with the acrostic, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies that we are the Spirit of God. Many of us have heard, and it's close to the proper translation, that the word Abba means Father. And while that's close, it was, it's a different word that is very, very rarely used in, in the Greek. And it doesn't mean father nearly as much as it means dada. Okay? It's, it's what a little kid would, would call their dad. Or a little kid that would call their grandpa. You know, it's like peepaw or pawpaw. And when he was saying, Abba, it wasn't just Father, but it says we do what? We cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Grandpa. My wife and I are privileged to have four grandchildren and in addition one that's in heaven. And you know what? I know people get tired of hearing about grandkids. But I'll be honest, today I didn't bring the pictures, okay? I got them in my phone in the car if you want to see them. But when I walk in to the two little guys that are, are old enough to walk, they throw up their arms and they say, Grandpa. And it's not because I give them candy. I do, but don't you dare tell their parents, okay? We also sneak them ice cream every once in a while, but don't you dare tell their parents, Okay? Why are they doing that? It's not that they want anything, but it's that they love me and just want a hug because they know I'm their grandpa. And what this verse is saying is, you can do that with God. The very God that placed the stars in the sky, the very God that, that formed the oceans, that God loves you and has adopted you and me. My wife's other brother, I told you about the one that lived in Standing Rock, his... Her other brother, Kevin, is, uh, was divorced about four years ago. And then about two years later, no, that's not wrong. About six years ago, he was divorced. 
about two years after that, so four years ago, he remarried. And when he remarried, his wife had a little girl that was five years old. Two years ago, Kevin had his first biological child, (laughs) and two weeks later he turned 48. How many of you at 48 would want to have a newborn? No way, no way. But you know what? If you ask Kevin how many children he has, he says two. And he doesn't say Annalyn is his stepdaughter. Annalyn is my daughter. Why? Because he chose her. When he chose to marry his wife, he also chose the daughter. I don't know if they're going to adopt her or not, but I use that for the point that as we're going through this life, God chose you. He adopted you. We're not here for a very long time. In fact, we're not even from around here. Right? We doing okay? You're adopted. You're adopted. What's the second thing that we can learn? As we're going through this journey when we're not from around here, I want to remind you something. That Bible study... I apologize, my uh, throat has seen better days today. Uh, Bible study is not for our own benefit. Now that sounds a little weird, doesn't it? How can, how can Bible study, that's what this series is about, how we're supposed to get into the Word, and that's true. Remember, it's our light, it's our weapon, it's, it's, our, it's fire, it's supposed to challenge us. But why? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That's easy to remember because think of John 3, 16, but this is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Verse 16 will give us four things that the Bible is useful for. And instead of reading it, I just, I, I'm going to kind of try to show you. I want you to think of a road map or, a, or just a road that like if you're getting off the interstate you're driving along this way and then you come to a turn and you kind of loop around and you're on the ramp and then it takes you back up here. You with me? Can you visualize that? Well, the first thing that the Bible does, it says all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful, here's number one, to teach us what is true. So in other words, as we're going along in life and we're studying the Scriptures like we've been talking about for the last five, six weeks, weeks, the Bible will tell us what's true. But then the second thing says what? And makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. So we're going along here, and it makes us realize what's wrong. Hey, buddy, you're going the wrong way. If you keep going that direction, your life is not going to turn out the way that you want it. The old King James says, it rebukes us. So it points out what is wrong. The second thing, it, the third thing then it does, we're over here and we're going in the wrong direction and it's not just like take the ruler and slap you on the fingers, it's go this way. So the third thing is what? It corrects us when we were wrong, so now we're back on the path again, so that's number three. The fourth thing is what? It equips us, excuse me, it teaches us to do what's right. 
So we're back on the path and we're walking this way. And, you know, people that have been in church for a while, boy, they, they love that Bible study. They love because it makes me feel so good. And that Bible study, it just makes me holy. And, and that Bible study, I can't go a day without reading the Bible. But do we apply verse 17? Why does, why does God teach us what is true? Why does, why does He help us realize what's wrong? Why does He correct us when we were wrong? Why does it teach us what is right? The last verse. God uses it to prepare you for heaven. Is that what it says? God uses it to make you feel good about yourself. No, what's it say? God uses it to prepare, read it out loud, prepare and equip His people to do what? Every good work. In other words, studying the Bible isn't exclusively for your benefit. It's teaching you how to live a life so that you can do what? Do good works. Hold that thought as we go to our next B. Because it ties in with with good works. And that's this. That bad theology negatively affects our lives. In 2 Timothy, we considered... Why study the Bible? And it ended with what? So that we can help people do good works. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can put good works and tie it into earning righteousness. But that's not what the Bible says. Consider this verse. What's it say? The Bible says in Romans 1, the good news tells us how God makes us right, okay, in His sight. This is accomplished start to finish by faith. So how does God make us right in His sight? Does it have anything to do with good works? It says no. As the Scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And here's where, I, here's where our theology gets messed up, and it negatively affects our lives. You remember, picture Bubba and Bubba that was sitting over here. Okay? Daryl and my other brother Daryl, well, they're Bubba and Bubba. Okay? The first Bubba comes to Jesus by, in faith. That's great. That's great. But then Bubba thinks, hmm, in order to be righteous, the second step is I've got to do good works. Okay? And then Bubba says, if I have Jesus and I do good works, then God's going to make me righteous. Some ways that sounds okay, doesn't it? Isn't that kind of what we're taught sometimes? Here's the problem when you put good works in the wrong spot. If we're not careful and we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I come to you in faith, then we think we have to do good works in order to get heaven. What changes in our life? We do good works for the wrong reason. We do, do good works in order to try to get Jesus to love us more. We do good works in order to earn salvation. And then it becomes very, very prideful. Hmm, my good works are better than yours. I go to Honduras and I go to Highland City and I do all of this and I do all of that. It can also be jealousy. Well, it's easier for her to do 
do more good works because she has a lot more time than I do. Or it's comparison. I know I'm better than Johnny because I do more good works than Johnny, but boy, I'm not nearly as good as Fred. Do you see how when we have the, the wrong idea of the purpose of good works, even though that's one of the reasons that the Bible is given to us so that we can prepare for every good work, if we place it in the wrong order, bad theology affects our lives. Picture Bubba and Bubba again. If all of their lives, one of them is doing good works in order to earn salvation, he can become very jealous and very bitter. And, 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 and boy, I just... They become the type of Christian that posts on Facebook. Am I doing okay? Where they just put everybody down and think that they're better than everybody else. You do understand what I'm saying there, don't you? Read some Facebook posts. I'll talk about that in just a second. So, if right now we know that we're adopted, if Bible study is not just for our own benefit, but to help people, but if we have bad theology, how do we tie this together? If we know we're not from around here, what's the proper place for good works? Actions with the proper motive, changes lives, including yours. Changes lives, including yours. So let's go back to our illustration. In the last illustration, it was what? We start with Jesus, we do good works. Why? Because we think we need good works in order to become righteous. But the text doesn't tell that. It says this, We come to Jesus in faith. He then calls us righteous. You can't earn it. You don't have to be good enough. But it doesn't mean we don't do good works, but the motive is different. The reason that we do good works here is why? Because we love Him. Because we care for Him. We do things for, for God, not because He needs our help, but because we want to bless others how God's blessed us. See the difference? Look at, the, look at that verse again. The good news is that God tells us that He makes us right in His sight. We come to Jesus in faith. You're righteous. You're righteous. Folks, you don't have to earn it. It'll change how you live when you realize that because suddenly you do things out of love. My bride is in Honduras as we speak. We, um, we support a ministry down there that it absolutely breaks my heart. Little girls that have been sold into sex slavery. But you can't keep my wife out of there. You know why? Because she loves those little girls. And she knows that she loves God and it's not that she's trying to earn salvation. It's I want to help because I've been so blessed. Three weeks ago, I changed jobs. I'm now a um, hospice chaplain in residence. What that means is, I didn't. I, although I had the um, academic requirements, I don't have the the uh, hospital and hospice 
clinical work. So for a year I'm doing the clinical work. But I'm in homes now. And this week, excuse me, the last three weeks, I've seen how a lot of people view Christians. And it's really, really, really sad. First home I was in, the guy's an active homosexual and he didn't want to talk at first when he heard I was a clergy. Good news is he did. But I didn't go in there to condemn him of sin. I went in there to do good works, to be God's salt and be God's light. Friday I was in a home. I'm telling you, the guy wrestled in the mud at Woodstock. Real long hair. Has a very different philosophy of life than I did, but absolutely didn't want to talk to a chaplain. Why? It had nothing to do with me. It was his perception of Christianity. And do you know where he got that perception? So what how do we change it? Today we sang a song, and I got so excited, Brandon, when that, that one song that says, Love so strong that we can lead a revolution. It's not theology that's going to change those people's hearts that I just talked about. It's what? It's love. And it's love that they see us in action. It's practical things that you can do to say, God is different because of that guy. You with me? Any of you so? Any of you so? Michael, I got a challenge for you. One of the things that hospice does, when somebody passes, the family naturally has a hard time. And there's things called um, care bears, where you take some of the clothing that the deceased has, has worn and put it into a bear form. And then the family has, they remember the shirt that dad used to wear. Folks, we can do that, can't you? Highland City, one of the greatest things that I, I think about TBA Church is that, that you were willing to spend money to buy a house in Haines, Haines, it's not Haines City, Highland City, so that you can do good works. So that you can do good works. Not because you're trying to earn salvation or not because you're just trying to get people to come to this church. The reason that you do those good works is why? Because we love Him. As the band comes forward, I want to ask you a final question. Since we know that we're not around we're not from around here. That our citizenship is in heaven and we have been adopted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Since we know all of that, how then should we live? Stand as I pray.
eternal, all-wise God, we bless You this day. We bless You for loving us, for caring for us, for adopting us. Forgive us, God. Forgive me, God, when my actions uh, misrepresent you. Help me to be motivated by love and help me to apply the Bible to my life so that I can reflect your love to others in the holy and honorable and righteous and loving and kind and just name of Jesus Christ I pray